Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us for part two of an amazing two-part interview with Dr. Christine Van Horn as we are discussing her great book, Tower of the Flock. Now, if you missed any of part one, you have to go back and catch up. This is so important to this time of year, the time of this recording is entering the Christmas season, but we have been misled, misrepresented, misunderstood the Christmas story for generations. You know, we westernized it so much that we've lost the truth in it. And you're going to see the little nativity scenes and, you know, Jesus in a feeding trough covered in hay and all this good stuff. But, folks, that is not the way it is at all, or the way it was at all. But that's just the westernized version of it. Dr. Christine Van Horn has put together the scripture references, the historical references, the historical footnotes. She has gathered the evidence. I came to this realization about three years ago when I found out she had written this book. I just had to get her on here to share this story with you. It is absolutely spellbinding, and it will answer a lot of questions that people have about the birth of Jesus. So, we in part one, we just finished up uh, discussing the lineage of Jesus and why this area of Bethlehem was passed down to uh, Boaz, and who was the great-grandfather of King David, and why David just happened to be out in those fields tending that sheep. That's where we're going to pick this up at. Let's back go back into the interview now with Dr. Christine Van Horn. And, and you know, we can picture now the reason why David was out in the field tending the sheep, right? And that's yes. the exact same field that the shepherds would be tending to their flocks when Jesus was born. Is that correct? That is correct. So, you know, it is from that lineage, that story just continues all the way through scripture. So Bethlehem was established as the place where that land belonged um, into the family of David and his predecessors. And, you know, it's where the the flocks were, were tended uh, in those fields. So that exp is explain the importance of those flocks. They're just not, you know, like, okay, this is where my farm is and this is where your farm is, but what was the importance of that particular pasture land? You know, and this is, this is one of the things that the Lord really revealed to me. And I think is so critical. We don't hear those flocks in Bethlehem were raised for the temple sacrifices. So those specifically, Specifically. Specifically. So, you know, that land goes, you know, back to the time of, of Jacob and Rachel, and it just follows through not only through the descendant line, but the land line. So those, those shepherds were raising the flock for the temple sacrifices. What this means is those were not ordinary shepherds. Yeah. Or those ordinary sheep. 
<laughs> or ordinary sheep. You are so correct. You know, these, these were not, you know, just shepherds. They were holy men. Yeah. They had a mission for, you know, raising the, these temple, the temple flock, the temple sheep. And, and there comes so much um, importance with it. They had to ensure that those sheep were unblemished. So that, you know, it, it wasn't just like, you know, shepherds in a field raising flock and okay, here's a lamb and this one's limping or this is what has this problem. No, they had to ensure that those lambs were perfect, totally unblemished and ready for sacrifice to the Lord in the temple. And that changes the whole perspective on who these shepherds really were. So yep. these are the shepherds of Bethlehem. This is what their mission really was. And, and those shepherds, I've seen it written where they were actually part of the priesthood. I mean, these just aren't your normal, you know, I need a job. Okay, go out there and be a shepherd. No, no. These were trained specialists in the lambs for the offering. And that was, you know, I, when I explain the rabbinical priesthood, you know, a lot of people think, oh, okay, so you're a pastor, so you just go preach, and that's what a rabbi is. no. I explained the the teaching, the training of the rabbis. I have a teaching on this called Samika of Jesus, where when they get to the point where they've gone all the way through to schooling, now they're ready to go into their calling. Just like when we go to college, we study accounting or science or mm-hmm. you know management. You have a specialty that you want to be drawn to, and that's where you'll serve. The priesthood has the same thing. They got the preachers, but they also got, you know, the administrators and they got the, the you know, the shepherds and, you know, all this stuff. And that's their specific training is in taking care of the flocks for sacrifice. And it's just not a job that they hired a bum off to say, hey, I need it, need some help. Come on, I'll be a shepherd for six months. You know, nothing. No, these were specially trained people to take care of the most important sacrifices in the nation. And, and it's Absolutely. important people understand that it's just not some bums sleeping out in the field because they were homeless and they figure, well, I'll make a buck while I'm out here doing this, you know. No, they were such, you know, specialists. They were holy men. They were priests. Mm-hmm. You know, they were given an incredible task to ensure that the sacrifices were prepared, ready, unblemished for the Lord. So it meant that that things had to be done specially. So I'm not sure, you know, how how it was for the birth of other lambs. It was probably just wherever, but they had a special place where those lambs were birthed, and yep. um, and, and they that takes had, us to the Tower of the Flock. That special it does. place, yeah, because all this explains why the Jews were supposed to know that the Messiah was supposed to come from the line of David. They, they did understand that. They understood he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They understood that. But they mm-hmm. never put two and two together concerning no. the birth of Jesus. So let's dive now into the importance of what the Tower of the Flock really is. Because in the in the traditional birth of Jesus nativity scene, Bible stories and all that goes with it, you know, I first want to debunk every single one of those narratives. So let's start by stepping all over the spiritual toes out there. <laughs> Okay. Let's start at the birth of Jesus, and then we're going to get into the importance of the Tower of the Flock. But what kind of husband would make his wife take that kind of journey when she was nine months pregnant? I mean, that's what we're led to believe, but that's not really what happened. 
right? No, it, it, it isn't. Because if you turn to the, the scriptures, it says while they were there. So, you know, we know that they needed to go to Bethlehem uh, so that they could, uh, you know, register uh, in, in the town of, of their inheritance. But um, I'm looking at Luke chapter two, verse six, and it says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So, you know, we often hear they just, you know, rolled into town and she's giving birth and they can't find room in the inn. And so they just have to go to this, you know, haphazard stable and there's all these animals here. And that isn't that isn't what really happened. You know, they I were mean, there wasn't this old geezer type of, of you know clerk at the holiday inn that said, we ain't got no room, but you know, well, you're giving, okay, go out back where the donkeys are. You can have babies out there. You know, that's, that's not really what happened. No, because, you know, Mary and Joseph, they were descendants of David. You know, they, they were of a Royal bloodline. And so in Bethlehem, they had family, they had a place to go. They would go to the home of their you know, inheritance, their, their relatives lived relatives, there. Yeah. Yeah. They would go to the home of their, their relatives. It, it, it wasn't just, you know, they had nowhere to go. They had a place to go. And, and it says in scripture, while they were there, her days were ready, you know, to be delivered. So it kind of changes. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's just looking at the words of scripture. Yeah. But it yeah. changes the way we've come to believe, you know, they just rolled into town and there was nowhere for them to go and they had to go where the animals were. And, and that's where Jesus was born. That's really not the case. OK, so why wouldn't they, if she's staying in a family member's home, then why wouldn't they just say, OK, oh, you're giving birth. OK, Mary's giving birth. You know, let's take her in the bedroom or whatever and, and we'll come out when everything's done. Why wouldn't they do that? If you study the Torah, there are specific things for what they considered clean and unclean, and blood was unclean. So in the birthing process, there is blood. And so um, they could not just be with the family. They needed to be separated so that the family was not considered unclean. So looking at the, 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 the process they needed to not be in that home. Um, so that so they that's why they went to the barn out back. No, <laughs> that's what we're led to believe, isn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what we're, we're really, you know, led to believe, you know, and, and looking at um, scripture, uh, the, you know, we look at the word in, you know, there's no room in the in. That's yeah. that, that guest chamber in the family home. That's where Amen. they were, were at. Yeah. Um, but, but along with everybody else that was there, like a yes. family reunion, you know, you got aunts exactly. and uncles and cousins and everybody else yes. there. Yeah, it, it really is. And so, you know, they had to follow the requirements of the Torah. And, you know, when anyone would, you know, any woman would be giving birth, they needed to be separated. Well, um, they needed to be separated. So they needed to be somewhere else during that birthing process. And it wasn't the barn out back. No. Okay, so <laughs> what was the Tower of the Flock? Why was that the perfect place for a pregnant woman to go give birth? Because they're they got sheep and lambs out there. You know, what, well, you know what, what's going on with that? Well, the Tower of the Flock is is where Jesus was born, and I can go back into to Scripture, and I'm I'm going to go back into the Book of Micah. Um, so now this time Micah four eight, and I want to read this out of the New King James Version, and it says, 
So, you know, if this is still in that same process of talking about Jesus, you know, in Bethlehem, that was just in 5-2. Now we're just, you know, backtracking to 4-8 out of Micah. And it says, and you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. And what it's really saying is that um, to the tower of the flock, which in other translations are uh, Migdal Eater, or it may just say Eater, it's the same location, the former dominion, that's the Lord God in Jesus, shall come or be revealed, bringing in his kingdom. So the tower of the flock, because we see that uh, you know, in in Genesis with with Jacob, um, and that's where Rachel, you know, died tower and was Eder. buried. And yeah. it says yeah. he pitched his tent um, beyond the Tower of Eder. You know, mm-hmm. depending on the different translations, some will say a watchtower, some will say Tower of Eder. It's it's the same location, the Tower of the Flock. Okay, so let's pause right there for a second because we're tying in Jacob and Rachel. With the day of Jesus, the Tower of Eder mentioned in both spots, but the Jewish religion wasn't established with Jacob and Rachel yet, right? The the traditional thing. So why would they have the Tower of Eder mentioned in both spots? And the reason is that pasture land was perfect. God ordained this long, long in advance. You know, we just have this feeling that, you know, it was very haphazard. They're in the town just because this was decreed and, and you know, and, and Jesus was born in a stable and it's, you know, very haphazard. That's not the case. God established the mm-hmm. lineage of the land, the lineage yep. of the people, the exact locations. This was precision. Yep. God doesn't do anything by chance, That's right. That's you know, right. especially with the birth of his son. This was yep ordained. Yeah. So this this location um was was so key. Um and and I want to explain it from a geography standpoint. I've been to Bethlehem and I have no doubt in in my mind because I could just feel it in my spirit. When I was at the Church of the Nativity, there's a cave underneath the church um that that is the traditional birthplace of Jesus. No question in my mind. And I can you know, say that from a spiritual standpoint, having been there, I just was overcome with the presence of God. But I can also explain it from a geography standpoint. When you are taken on a tour there, they show you the shepherd's fields, you know, where the shepherds were. The shepherds are just down the hill. The shepherd's fields are down a hill from where the church of the nativity is. So the tower would be the tower of the flock, the the watchtower, Tower of Eder, all meaning the same thing, were up on the hill where they could overlook the flock and make sure that there was no danger coming. It just makes sense from a geography. The guard tower type thing. The guard tower, exactly. Well, some of the writings, there was a uh, a man who lived in the 1800s, Alfred Eidersheim, and he he had this revelation back in the 1800s. And, you know, he explained that these watchtowers were often built over caves as solid foundation. So the tower of the flock was built over the cave. And so he goes on to explain how, you know, this was the birthing place of the temple flock underneath. And the shepherds were up in the tower above it, making sure that everything was fine um, for the safety of the lamb. 
And that was just up the hill from where the shepherd's fields were, which existed from all these generations past. You know, it's just, it's all in one place. Amen. Amen. So as they, the shepherds are watching, they see a lamb or a sheep giving birth. They'll go down take the lamb and bring it into the cave to keep it safe and nurture it and all that stuff. And we're going to get into that part in a second, but I can hear someone right now saying, wait a minute, what? The Bible saying is that she laid Jesus in a manger. That's a feeding trough in a barn. Explain for us what a manger, because now we're talking about bringing the lamb inside <laughs> the cave. Explain for us what a manger really is. Sure. A, a manger has different meanings. Um, and so a manger uh, could mean a feeding trough. It could mean a stall, a crib, um, a stable. It could have all of those different types of meanings, but a manger was very specific to these shepherds because when a lamb was birthed, they needed to keep it unblemished. So it was probably carved out of stone and was a holy place this was a holy place, not just, you know, the feeding trough of animals. This was a holy place because they would take those new baby born lambs. They'd wrap them in swaddling cloths and, and scripture, we tend to think of it as clothes, but actual translation is cloths. They were strips of cloth that were used to keep the, the lamb's limbs secure. So they were not going to hurt themselves. And Rushing then they lay yeah, without that thrashing around. And they laid them in a holy place to make sure that these lambs were going to remain unblemished. And so it was not a feeding trough for animals that, oh, they found some straw and laid it in it and put Jesus in there. No, Jesus was put in a very specific holy place. And that's what the manger really is. And let's go back now to the shepherds out in the field, yes. those lonely shepherds guarding their flocks by night in the cold of December. I know I just set you up to answer two questions with one question. So go yes. ahead. Those, <laughs> those shepherds, <laughs> they were, they, they, they knew what the angel said. You know, one of the things that I just want to regress a little bit, when you start studying scripture, the people in those days, those days, they knew what this all meant. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, really did. Yeah. And so when the angel, you know, appeared to them and told them, they knew where to go. And they knew exactly what it really meant. These were the holy people. These were the only people on earth that could certify that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, they knew scripture. You know, scripture said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. They, you know, described these things. And then when the angel said, you will find him wrapped, wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger, they knew exactly what this Not meant. a manger. So the, the manger. manger. Yeah. The manger. And, so they didn't you know, have they, to run into town searching all the barns? No, they didn't. They knew exactly what this meant. It was going to the manger at the location. And once they saw that there was a babe wrapped in the swaddling cloths, which were there already for their wrapping of their animals, they were there. You know, God provided that in advance and that he was laying in the manger. 
they knew that prophecy was fulfilled. So, you know, the scripture goes on to say they told widely the story. They knew what this meant. You know, what I find interesting is that it doesn't say all these people came to worship him, you know, or to honor him, but they knew what it meant. They made that proclamation. And so God ordained this completely, that Jesus would be born at the tower of the flock, that in that location, the swaddling cloths would be, the manger would be located, and the right people which were those shepherds would be the people on earth to certify that the Messiah was born. It it was all set up there. Amen. What about in the middle of the night and a cold December evening? Jesus was probably not born in December. You know, wasn't (laughs) going to that just a little bit. Go ahead and cover that just a little bit. Yeah. I love debunking that myth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it, it wasn't the birthing season. Uh, for right. for the lambs, you know, and and so it was probably not, you know, in, in December. It was probably in the fall, uh, more closely tied to the fall feast days um, of, you know, the that they celebrated, which were the Lord's feast days. Mm-hmm. But it it was not, it was not December. It really and you isn't. can track that, and you do this in your book. You can track that mm-hmm. by looking at the uh, when the angel talked to Zachariah about. Yes. Elizabeth giving birth. I mean, you can track all this. And, you know, by, you know, when she was six months pregnant, the angel came to Mary, right? So, yes. I mean, you can track this on a specific timeline and find out yes. exactly when Jesus. You can, it, it is there. I mean, it's revealed in scripture and we just tend to, you know, think to the contrary, you know, th- this was a, a time of, you know, when we celebrate, you know, Christmas is December 25th. This was like a pagan feast yeah. that was then adapted, you know, and, and not going into all of that. Summer solstice and all that stuff or winter yeah. solstice. Yeah. Yeah, it it just, you know, it was not it. It's good that we honor the birth of Jesus. And that's the important thing, not the day of the yeah. year. Um, yeah. But, you know, knowing how specific God was, he didn't place his son in this world, you know, just by chance. Right. These things didn't happen here or there. You know, God even really just arranged everything that Mary and Joseph would be in Bethlehem, which was probably the whole reason for the census was to get them to Bethlehem. Exactly. And, yeah. And, yeah. and and have it all fulfilled in prophecy. Amen. Amen. And, and as we get ready to wrap this up, I want to debunk one more myth. Yeah. Share with us, if Jesus wasn't born in the barn like we were told, why did the nativity scenes show the three kings bringing gifts to the barn where Jesus is laid in the feeding trough and, and the song, the little drummer boy says, you know, the ox and the lamb kept time, right? <laughs> yes. So who were the Magi? The Magi were really, they, they came from, you know, it says the East. They probably came from Babylon. They were, Magi were very important people and they had studied things from, you know, the, you know, way, way back in, in, you know, different earlier times, they knew that it was prophesied that Jesus was going to be born. Daniel taught them, the Magi. He he was part of that group when he was in Babylon. And so that, that information was there, but they did not come to the stable. I mean, if you look at it from a geography standpoint, if they're in, in you know, Babylon and we're looking at Bethlehem, this is not something you just travel from foot within a couple of days. Um, but 
they, if you really look at the translation of the scriptures, it says they saw the child. It doesn't say they came to the babe in the manger. Again, it's one of the things that we tend to show the wise men being at the stable. You know, they came a couple of years later. You know, yeah. King Herod, um, he he had ordered the 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 children killed under age two. You know, and when the Magi arrived, it talks about that they came to see the child. It was it was not it at the with, stable at then. the house, not the barn, yes. but at the house. He was home. Yes, they were they were home, um, and and Jesus was was young, but he was a child, not a babe, yeah. and so that probably took place up to two years yeah. later. By the time they they saw the the star, and you know, and I won't get into what that really means, but um, it, it took some time, and yeah. then they came to them. Yep. Amen. Amen. But, oh. I could go on and on with this. this <laughs> Christy, this has been absolutely interesting. And like I said at the beginning, when I found out you had written this book, The Tower of the Flock, I just had to get you back on to talk about it. Because, you know, the revelation the Lord gave me a few years back, it just transformed my idea of the Christmas story. And I've been sharing it ever since. And and I appreciate you so much for writing this book and putting it down where everybody can read it. And it's in a coherent order. You got scripture references, historical references, and it just makes complete sense according to the Bible. I mean, that's the, the you know, it, it just debunks all these misconceptions and it corrects the false teachings and, and all that. We, we just, I just thank you for writing and publishing this book. How can someone order a copy of your book, The Tower of the Flock? Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. It's through Barnes and Noble, and uh, Westbow Press is my publishing house. Um, but the best thing is just to go to my website, which is www.drchris.co, not .com, but .co. So it's drchris.co, and um, the book. You know, you can see the different places. It'll take you to the links to order it from the different places. But what's also important is I'm putting this out on four blogs uh, in December here. So some of this information will also be on four blogs so they can go to my blogs and uh, see a blog a week throughout December. But my, my book, you know, you can order through, you know, Amazon's probably the easiest for people is just to go to yeah. Amazon and you'll find that. Amen. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask a question or possibly do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you? Sure. There's two ways. One is through my website and it, it there's a, a link there where you can type in, you know, an email, but also my email address is um, Chris, C-H-R-I-S at D-R-C-H-R-I-S dot co. And, uh, and they can do that. Amen. Amen. So as we get ready to wrap up, is there anything else you want to tell us about your book, The Book of the Flock? Yeah, you know, I, I just want to encourage people to, to to read this book. You know, now it's the Christmas season. This would be a time to get it, and you can get it quick if you get it through, you know, Amazon. Um, and read this book and study it, because there's so much more to Scripture than we really know. Yeah. And once you do some really, you know, in-depth studies or look at the words, it, it just opens up a wealth of information. And, and really what I have written is based on scripture. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not on theory that's on yeah. scripture. Yeah. And so it's there. And Amen. once you understand what, you know, where Jesus was born and how he was born and to whom, you know, the word was given, it just opens up so much more understanding of what Christmas really means. 
Amen. Amen. And I'll put links to all this down in the show notes below. Folks, this book, The Tower of the Flock, it's a must-have for your reading list. I mean, it answers so many nagging questions that most people have about the birth of Jesus. Now, I urge you to drop down in the show notes down below. Click the links right there. Order your copy today. In fact, do your pastor a favor. Give him a gift of this book as well. I mean, they'll appreciate it. Don't make the mistake, mistake of thinking, well, they already know about this. I was in the ministry for you know 25 years before I learned the truth about this, right? And I've been... I've been sharing it ever since. Praise God. Be sure to order your copies today. Christine, thank you for taking the time again to come back on the program and share about this great book and an even greater message in The Tower of the Flock. I do appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Pastor Bob. This has been an honor talking to you. And it's so nice because you have the same understanding. And so we could have a wonderful dialogue on this together. I appreciate this. Amen. I look forward to our next conversation as well. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Dr. Christine Van Horn, myself, is Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all you do. And order your book. Go down the show notes. Click the link right there. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.